I've been interacting with the artist Daniel Maidman over the past decade in different ways in New York City. He's been writing for White Hot Magazine. He writes books and he makes drawings of the figure on toned paper. And I've always been struck by the anatomy of these figures. He also makes paintings. He makes depictions of figures in different poses with specific lighting. And the flesh is interesting because it really reflects in a way that real flesh of people uh, does. And I was thinking that maybe he studied anatomy or actually studied from the cadaver to discover how the bones work. And uh, so in this conversation, he explains a little bit of that, which I thought was interesting. Um, Daniel Maidman was born in Toronto, Canada, and uh, his paintings range from figurative works to portraiture, still lives, landscapes. Um, he investigates uh, machinery architecture and microflora. The images occupy a spectrum from high rendering to almost total abstraction. So um, I had some really interesting uh, topics to ask Daniel about. You can also find him on Instagram where he has over 100,000 Instagram followers and is wildly popular with his drawings of the human figure and his paintings there. So enjoy the following conversation between myself and artist Daniel Maidman. It's the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker. Check us out on the web at whitehotmagazine.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and we will see you around the art world soon. I uh, I really enjoy drawing. I um I find, uh, and you know, we're mostly talking about figurative drawings. <clears throat> I find uh, people endlessly inspiring to draw. Um, I uh, I think that the human body is the most elegant machine, and uh, and most uh, you know meaningful uh, canvas uh, out there. And um, uh, so I I, ha- I have a I'm very happy when I'm when I'm drawing people. So I do it as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And you studied anatomy and you studied uh, actual human figures in, um, uh, at a, there was a university where you had access to cadavers. Is that that, right? That's correct. Um, I, uh, I started life drawing in a serious way in Los Angeles in 1998. And uh, after I had been doing that for a few years, I realized I wasn't making any progress on uh, the depiction of, of the back. Uh, and there are a lot of layers of muscle in the human back, and it's, uh, it's difficult to, uh, to interpret if you don't know what's underneath the surface. And I knew that uh, all of my uh, Renaissance heroes had, um, had learned uh, by means of, uh, of cadaver dissection. So I asked around town, and, uh, and I found that, uh, that Santa Monica College would be prepared to uh, let me attend their cadaver dissection course 
as an artist uh, instead of as a medical professional. Uh, so that start that was supposed to be a six month process, but I stuck around for a couple of years and drew myself an entire anatomical atlas. Mm-hmm. Do you drew your own anatomical atlas? Yeah, I uh, I started with uh, superficial anatomy, so uh, the um, uh, muscles and fat and uh, blood vessels right under the skin. And uh, I also did skeletal anatomy, and then I uh, I decided to do uh, the uh, the major organs as well, uh, just because I found it fascinating. And uh, and at that point, I wanted to have something that was more complete. So, how much time would you spend per muscle, say? Well, it it was more per drawing, and the the process was uh, I would I had a sketchbook that I uh, made pencil drawings with in uh, in in person. Uh, at uh, at uh, Santa Monica College, uh, and each of those drawings would uh, take a couple hours. Uh, but the sketchbook got covered in human grease, and it stank of formaldehyde, and it was disgusting. Uh, and I would go home, and then spend probably five or six hours uh, on uh, re- redrawing each drawing uh, in ink. Um, so. Uh, wound up being a hundred drawings uh, in that process. So it was a hundred um, studies of the figure. Yeah, a stu- uh, studies of internal anatomy. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily figures in poses. It was just like no, like no parts of the body. Yeah. Uh, these are these are really not uh, dynamic figure poses at all. It's not like something you would see at Body Worlds. These are, uh, you know. Bodies and parts of bodies on a table. Right. Yeah. Wow. Cheerful discussion. <laughs> um, just kidding. For the listeners who are interested in serious things like anatomy and drawing and that kind of stuff, it's not, it's not going to be that shocking to them. The, in actual fact, the ex- exhibition that you talked about, that Gunther von Hagen's Body Worlds exhibition, is quite, quite popular. Like millions of people go to see it yeah and i would um there you know uh, when people ask me um how to pursue anatomical studies i recommend first and foremost getting access to uh cadavers if you possibly can uh and after that uh ecorche classes and then um i i think that you know his exhibitions tend to divide into a part one and a part two uh, if there, if it's a two-story installation, there will be a first story and a second story. The first story is a fairly useful, uh, you know, um, scientifically rigorous uh, presentation of uh, of human cadaver dissection, and it's only in part two where he kind of gets whimsical. Um, I don't think part two is uh, is useful for an anatomy student because um, it's just it's it's him ghoulishly playing with dead bodies. But but part right. part one is uh, is quite useful for a student of musculature or um, you know vascularity uh, trying to find out exactly what's underneath the surface. I guess it was Theodore Greco. Is that how you pronounce his name? The um... oh Jericho. I don't know. I actually Jericho. Yeah, sorry, Jericho. I don't know how to pronounce the, it either. The old master. I've looked at it for years, but. I, I could have spent two minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce it, but he, the, uh, you know, the raft of the Medusa, yeah. that artist who painted the raft of the Medusa, mm-hmm. there was a painting that he did and it was just, um, it was just parts of bodies like 
I guess he was, he had a place where he could study, um, study the human anatomy. I remember that. It's pretty disturbing too. I can't remember how he got. Well, it's, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I know a little bit about him through reading Delacroix's journals. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever read the journals of Eugene Delacroix. I have not. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce Delacroix. If the, if the, if that's the time period, then there's a decent chance that those are um, uh, those are executed uh, prisoners. But I right. but I cannot remember. I remember there is a historical context for that painting, but I forget what it is. Well, I think you know Caravaggio, right? Yeah. Um, everybody knows Caravaggio, <laughs> um, but he's uh, you know he was on the run uh, for murder or whatever, right? Some sometimes a. Do you know much about the Caravaggio story? I I know bits and pieces. He's uh, you know, about him, him and the the gang of artists and poets that he ran with, uh, getting in street fights with other gangs of artists and poets, and he killed somebody, and he wound up dying in a swamp, and right, a very dramatic Anyways, life. Yeah, I I like this anatomy conversation that we're having about about uh, cadavers and stuff uh-huh. on a technical basis, but then it always kind of makes me think about the history the how sort of dark the history of old paintings and, and imagery from old paintings can be in relation to the human body and that kind of stuff. Certainly the raft of the Medusa is a, I mean, some of my friends who live in Europe obviously have been to the great museums. I've been to a few great museums, but um, I've always wanted to see that monumental piece. I don't know if you, have you been, what I'm getting to is, have you been to any great museums where they have uh, large figurative work? Yeah. And what was your feeling? What was my theory about what? What was your feeling? Oh, my feeling. Uh, it depends on the work. But um, yeah, I uh, uh, for our honeymoon, we backpacked around Europe uh, for like five weeks. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in art museums. Uh, I got to, you know, the Prado and the Uffizi and uh, the... Uh, the the uh the academy where they keep the david um i got to the doge's palace in venice it's great i mean it's overwhelming and um you know there's there's one there's one room i think at the uffizi where every uh botticelli you ever heard of is is beside they're beside each other so they interfere with each other like each one would be the highlight of your day anywhere else but you ignore the primavera because it's right beside the birth of venus um but there, there, you know, there's, there's incredible stuff. The Vatican has a great museum. Um, you know, they, just, these, are, these are just stunning uh, collections of art, um, and really inspiring. Um, so, yeah, that, well worth doing. I think that your work and the collection of your drawings would is sort of would be something like something that like the royal family would collect or you know like something in when you see like da vinci in in uh windsor castle or buckingham palace or it's like something that's really like i think like going to be a treasured collection at some point that is extraordinarily kind of you to say noah thank you um i, I uh that's the level that that's the level of it well I uh, thank you very much. Now, I was talking to you the other day, and I remember um, um, 
what was I asking you about? Oh, I was asking about Ong. And I was uh-huh. saying that I saw Ong drawings at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah. I think I saw the same show. Was and it there? Was that the Morgan Library or at the Met? Or were there two no, different shows? No, it was the Met. It was, um, it was right... Um, it was right by the... You go up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And then it was sort of in that hallway. Between okay. Between the, the grand staircase and the rest of the exhibitions. Okay, so it's it's in, when you turn left and there's a the dark hallway where they put the mm-hmm. drawings? Yeah, okay. And there's also a door right there. There's a, a secret door to the prints and drawings room there. Oh, is there? Yeah, you can go to the mat. Some people know this. Well, I don't mm-hmm. know how much, how much you can do it now, but mm-hmm. you can go there and you can make an appointment at the front desk to go into the prints and drawings room and look at the drawings without the frames. Oh, marvelous. I went in there and I looked at the drawings by Bruegel. Nice. I did that in Toronto one time. I think that I've, I, it was, I think I got to handle a Botticelli. Mm-hmm. That's it's just amazing when you get to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But So you see the paper, there's no glass over it. And right. Really, you know, um, I get the feeling you have studied some Da Vinci, you've studied some other really fine, wh- who, who else is really, well, the toned paper thing is a very old master approach. Yeah. Like I, uh... highlight, heightened, uh, highlights on tone paper yeah my, my dad calls it abominably french but um oh. yeah no, da vinci is a <laughs> uh, a hero of mine um uh and he, it, it, so when i was when i when i was learning how to draw uh i looked at da vinci all the time and there are uh there are only a few artists that i think of as having uh a sort of like a perfect line uh da vinci ang uh picasso um, and I'm sure I could think of one or one or two more. And you know, Picasso doesn't deploy it as frequently as uh, as Da Vinci and Ang. But there's this this line that combines description and poetry, so that you have a sense of absolute rightness about it. And I just worship that uh, that line. And uh, and so I, I thought about it all the time. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a mystical description, but I th- I thought about that line all the time when I when I was beginning to take drawing seriously. And uh, and it's still something that I pursue uh, in my work. And uh, and then, uh, you know, I've gradually moved away from uh, from my you know, from Da Vinci in terms of how I render uh, light and sh- light and shade. But um, but he but he was he was one of the people that I looked at constantly uh, when I started. Uh, anything in particular? Uh, the, you know the drawings, uh, particularly um, uh, that the head of the angel in the uh, the Virgin of the Rocks. Right. Uh, you know he's got that one study, um, and then also uh, uh, the Virgin and Child with Saint Anne, uh, which is my favorite drawing. Um, and those uh, those just completely blow me away. Uh, so I've, I've spent a long time looking at them. I looked at his anatomical studies some, but that was not the approach that I ever took with the way that I drew anatomy. Um, uh, he was, you know, Da Vinci is very difficult to riddle, uh, and he draw he draws anatomy as if he already knows it, and I was drawing anatomy from a position of learning it, uh, so I was not able to uh poetically unify 
my depictions of uh, dissections the way that he does. You know, his his depiction of dissection is a very artistically complete. Uh, it's making an aesthetic statement. And uh, at the time that I was working on dissection, I was happy if I could get anything to look like anything. Uh, it, it turns out that um, that all those distinctions that we're familiar with between you know muscle and um, and tendon and bone and fat are not as clear uh, in real life. And so uh, the the act of of categorizing things into anatomical structures is as much uh, in practice an imposition of uh, of analysis by the viewer as it is an act of observation. And so I was struggling very hard with that for the first year or year and a half. And then it's only the last maybe 20 drawings where, where I really have, have a system that I've developed for representation of the anatomy. And those ones become much more fluid. But, uh, but I, I went in a different direction from Da Vinci on that. Right. And they're very translucent and the skin shines and glows like human skin, even though it's monochromatic at least in the drawings in monochromatic on tone paper um and i had asked you about your thoughts on how skin reflects light and how you can do such amazing flesh the fact that you understand the bones has nothing to do with the fact that you also understand the way light absorbs on into or on top of human flesh. I think that's really um, effective. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, uh, do you want to talk about drawing or painting uh, with that? Because it's, it's, it's two no, very different scenarios. Drawings, I want to talk about your drawings on that. Sure. sure. Uh, well, okay. So the, uh, I think fund, the, the, originally I got into toned paper because I was in life drawing workshops. And so everything is a question of how much can you get done in 20 minutes before the pose goes away forever. Uh, and if I found that if I spent a lot of time establishing midtones, uh, I was not going to be able to get as far as I wanted to get with a pose. So uh, one of the uh, m means of efficiency that I found was working on toned paper so that I only had to establish my darks and my lights. Uh, that said, once I did that, I realized that it made more sense for me because I have my my entire orientation in observation is towards light like I don't really I don't really like to do shadow very much I see light as uh, as an active and living phenomenon and so what I'm drawing is the interaction of light and flesh uh, in a way that uh, I think that the the drawings become animated uh as that as the light you know an ocean of light pours over uh pours over the flesh and uh and 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 form comes out that way um and i think that you you're tending to to think of ang when you when you look at my drawings because i favor the same frontal lighting that he favored uh and he he was very line oriented uh and so that frontal lighting allowed him to express volume by means of variation in outline. Um, and the reason that I'm doing it uh, is that I like light. Uh, so I'm minimizing shadow. Uh, it's two different motivations, but it winds up producing uh, formally similar outcomes. Yeah. You don't have something really side lit. And the backgrounds are not dark. The backgrounds are sometimes 
not necessarily blank, but just a fog of the paper, whatever the whatever the paper color is. It's just kind of like a a beige paper color or a gunmetal gray paper color color in the background. Yeah, it's it's really marvelous. Is anybody is anyone else doing what anything similar to what you're doing? I haven't seen anybody doing life drawing that precisely and in that volume. You know, there are there are a lot of people out there uh, who are doing. Uh, who are doing life drawing on toned paper. A lot of them tone their own paper. Uh, you know, the people that I'm thinking of right this instant are uh, Patricia Watwood and Jordan Sokol, uh, both of whom uh, ha- have worked in that idiom. But, um, but you know, they're, 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 there's quite an enormous uh, life drawing and figure drawing community out there. Uh, so there are, you know, any any particular set of parameters you you could care to imagine there's a bunch of people working that way right. yeah and you've written you you've written some books on the topic uh i okay the, i wrote um i wrote i've written a lot of articles on the topic uh the two books that i have out are a book of drawing of life drawings and uh a, a, a book length uh, interview with uh, the painter vincent desiderio um and i uh i'll probably have a book of technique at some point i just have mm-hmm. to sit down and do it those things take a lot of work and the most recent article that you wrote for White Hot Magazine is uh, an interview with Eric Fischel. That's correct. Which is um, which is great. That kind of connection between figurative artists. And so, when is is your figure drawing book already available? Yeah, the the the, the original figure drawing book, uh, which is called I think Daniel Maidman colon nudes or something like that. Uh, it's available from Griffith Moon publishing so it's on their website and it's on amazon and barnes and noble you just have to look for my name and the other one uh the interview uh theseus is about the history practice and philosophy of art uh i think it's fascinating i'm very proud of it and that is also from griffith moon okay well we're honored to have you here i'm certainly honored to talk to you and um i uh will be in touch with you over the next little bit about a few different things, but have a lovely afternoon. You too. It's great talking with you, Noah. Thanks so much for having me on. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. If you like White Hot Magazine, go to www.whitehotmagazine.com. I guess I could have just said whitehotmagazine.com. We're also on Instagram. I'm sure you're on Instagram. I have a clubhouse account that I use from time to time to try and coerce NFT cryptocurrency art world people to buy my art on the blockchain. That kind of stuff. Have a lovely afternoon. This is Noah Becker, your host.